Proverbs 29, verse 18. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, Westside. We are glad that you're here and you came on the first Sunday in 2022. So it's like half the battle, man. You started out well today. Thank you guys so much for coming. Hey, just really quickly, um, you saw a little bit of a preview. I wanted it to be a surprise for you guys, but on December 19th, we announced that we were taking up the God's Money Capital Campaign offering. What this is, is this has been a three-phase process for us for the remodel and revitalization of the church. As you can tell, we often run out of space here at Westside. So we started out there in the lobby, beautiful lobby for you to drink coffee and hang out in phase two is going to involve all the kids side kiddos and so that's everything from the glass door back nursery and all of that stuff and we just simply laid that before you guys we did not give a number that we wanted to hit um, because I believe that the scriptures teach in sacrificial giving that the scriptures teach that we give motivated by grace and since then, December 19th, the in-person and online total, you guys have given a total of $72,699. Come on, you got to make some more noise than that. Come on. Come on. This is incredible. This is the largest single offering that we've ever um, taken up as a church. And it lets me know that you believe in the vision of what we are doing here. And so you're going to be hearing so much more about that when everything's going to begin and to start. Um, you can still give to that if you're looking, uh, if you own a business or looking to give towards a year-end thing. You can still give online or in person out there at the lobby. Also, next Sunday, um, at the start of the year, we always like to sort of hit on a relevant topic. We most of the time teach through books of the Bible here. And so starting next week, we're actually going to be doing a series entitled New Year, New Family. How marriage, parenting, singleness, and the gospel coincide together. So if you're a parent of younger kids or teenagers, this series is going to be relevant to you. If you're married, newly married, um, dating, or if you're single, um, there's going to be an entire sermon uh, dedicated to singleness, what the Bible says about that. It actually says for you to delete Tinder. It's in first opinions. It's I'm just kidding, okay? Um, but listen, this is going to be a great time for you to get involved, and this is also a great time for you to invite somebody. I mean, this is a very relevant topic for everybody in the room. So hey, enough of that. I am so excited about today and the possibility of it being the first Sunday in the new year. And I want to start with this. This is a picture of the Hall of Fame golfer by the name of Arnold Palmer. Um, if you love uh, sweet tea and lemonade mixed together, you can thank this man right here. Um, but Arnold Palmer is one of the greatest golfers to ever play the game. The year was the 1961 Masters, and before it ever started, Arnold was set to win it. Um, he was on a winning streak, and he was blowing all of the competition out of the water. He was on the last hole. He um, hit an incredible tee shot off the tee box, and as he was approaching his second shot, the crowd was going wild. One of his dear friends was there as he approached the ball, and he shook his hand, and he shook his hand, and he went for the second shot and hit it right into the sand trap that's there on the green. If you don't know anything about golf, know this. You don't want to be on the beach, okay? You want to be in the grass. So he hits it in the sandbox. Then he hits another horrible shot, 
finishes his round of golf, they tally the scores, and Arnold Palmer lost the 1961 Masters by one stroke. By one stroke. It was in the newspapers, everybody, it was a big deal. As he was interviewed after that golf match, he said, I know when the exact moment was. When I hit my last tee shot and saw my good friend and shook his hand, I knew in the back of my mind, here it is, don't miss this, I knew in the back of my mind that I broke my focus. I did what I always tell myself not to do, and you do not celebrate or break focus until the last shot is done. He said it was such an important moment in his life that he defined it and said that I would never lose focus from that moment forward. Oftentimes at the beginning of the year for us as a church, we pray and beseech the Lord that he would give us a word. Um, just a single word. Maybe it can come from the Bible or maybe it's just a single word. And what that word does is it maps our direction and destination for the year. It just gives us a goal. It gives us in this journey of something that we are striving towards. And I bet you can't guess what the word is as you've already been in here in the service. But the word for us as a church for this new year is focus. It's focus. The Oxford English Dictionary defines focus as this, a central point of attraction and attention or activity, and I love this, to concentrate on the main thing. That's what focus is, to concentrate on the main thing. So for us as a church, going into 2022, I want the word to just be in our DMs and etches sketched on our heart is the word focus. Because I don't know about you, but 2020 and 2021 had a lot of distraction. Yes and amen? I believe if there is anything that we are certain of now in life, it's that the only thing that is certain is uncertainty at this point, man. And so why is focus so important? I think a number of things, but really it's this. Distraction's dangerous, right? I mean, distraction is dangerous. Um, you know this as a parent and maybe a parent of a toddler or a child that's just now learning to walk. I mean, it literally is just like the cartoons. They can be chasing a butterfly, and then all of a sudden they're off a cliff. Ah, see you later, right? And then your goal for the first three years of parenting is this. Please don't die. Please don't die. Just please, right? And so all the time, because the distraction is so easy. Um, I looked up some statistics, and one of the number one causes of car wrecks and fatalities is distractions. Um, the numbers are this, 3,142 people died of a fatal car crash in 2019 due to distraction. It's a 9.9% increase. In 2019 alone, there were 400,000 reported injuries due to simply distracted driving. There's actually even a coalition of distracted driving, and it lists the three areas, right? This has nothing to do with the sermon. I just thought this was a sermon in and of itself and could preach. They said there's the manual when you get distracted, visual, or even cognitive, mental. You're driving, texting, doing all of this type of stuff, and then you lose focus, and then in just a moment, everything changes. The reason why I love the word focus for us as a church 
is because if I were to sit and have a cup of coffee with you today on the first Sunday of the year, many of us have a goal and a desire to want to follow Jesus more faithfully, to read the Bible more. There's a few other goals. But here's something that I've learned in following Jesus. Creating rhythms is far better than completing resolutions. Oftentimes when we create a resolution, it's a high lofty goal and then maybe we don't complete it and then we're filled with guilt and shame or we complete it and then get distracted after we complete it. But if we create sustainable rhythms day in and day out to stay focused on the Lord, I believe that that is something that can change our life. And so the big idea today is really simple and it's this, committed followers have a clear focus. That's it. That's the word for us. Maybe you are expecting more, but you get what you pay for, okay, right? Committed followers just simply have a clear focus. Did you know that the Bible has a lot to say about focus? Um, here's some scriptures for you. Jesus loved focus, and it says this in Luke chapter 1, verse 49. We just said the story, and he said to his parents, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Jesus, at the age of 12 years old, already had a focus. He already had a determination, and he knew that he was to obey his father's will. And then later on, as we learn from the Bible story, it says that he grew, he increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor. I mean, honestly, if, if, if I were to ask you what's your goal for 2022, I mean, Luke chapter 1, verse 52 is not a bad verse. It's kind of like favor with people, grow in wisdom, lose a little weight. That's in the Greek somewhere in there in the verse. Like, that's a really great verse. But when we look at that passage of Scripture and tie it together, it tells me this. Moving forward requires focus. I mean, listen, maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's your job. I don't know what it is. But oftentimes when we begin to move forward and take steps, that's when we get distracted and then we lose focus. But later on in the Gospels, it would tell us this in Luke chapter 9. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Jesus knows that he's going to the cross to die. And listen, Jesus was so focused that from this point on, we don't see any more like teachings. We don't see him going to people's houses and healing. At this point forward, Jesus says, I am focused to go to the cross. I love what the message translation says. It says this, when it came close to the time for his ascension, he gathered up his courage and steeled himself for the journey to Jerusalem. That Jesus had a focus. His focus was to obey his Father's will. But here's a reason why I think it's so important for us to have a focus. That if you don't have a vision for your life, life will hand you a vision that you don't want. And listen, here's what I don't want for you. When I talk to so many Christians... They live a life of reactivity. It's, oh, this relationship, and now this, and I'm overwhelmed, and I don't know what to do, and I know I'm supposed to read my Bible, and I know, and we're trying to come to church. I mean, I mean, we came the first Sunday of 2022, right? right? I mean, and then everything happens, and there's this level of exhaustion because all this stuff that you know, hey, listen, the good news of the gospel and the good news of the Bible is not a list of things that you're supposed to do. 
The good news of the gospel is an announcement of what Jesus has done for you. And that changes your life. So rather than reacting to life, what would it look like for us to have a vision as a church family? So listen, here's something I want to do today. It's a little bit different. Most of the time, I walk through a single passage and we sort of bust that thing down like Legos. But what I want to do today is I want to break down the word focus for us. Each letter is going to represent a value that us as a church, Westside Church, listen, I don't know what the rest of the world's doing. I don't know what all these other churches are doing. Praise be to God for the kingdom of God. This is for us as a church family. This is what we are striving for in 2022. This is the vision. This is the focus. Each letter representing a value that we are constantly going to be asking ourselves Are we meeting this value? Are we living this out? And the first value is this. F stands for family focused. Family focused. Now, absolutely for families, for sure. I mean, we just had our worship, our kid side. We do that every month. If you're a visitor here, you're like, I'm yelling in church. What in the world is going on, right? Listen, we take time one Sunday out of a month, not to just give our volunteers a break, but... To show that we value families because we want your kids, mom and dad, grandma, grandpa, we want your kids to see you raising your hands in worship. We want your kids to see you doing that. When I say family focused, of course, I mean your family. But I mean family focused in the sense of the church family. Because as we look at what the Apostle Paul says in the book of Ephesians, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Do you know what made Christianity spread so fast in its origin? Is that they would go around calling themselves brothers and sisters in Christ. And that this is the place that no matter how dysfunctional your earthly family is, that this is the place where you find your heavenly family. Listen, I have such a deep desire for the followers of Jesus Christ at Westside to view each other as family to view each other as these are my familia, these are my people. When everybody else abandoned me, when everybody else rejected me, it was that group of misfits, because we're all misfits, amen? It was that group of misfits that showed me love. I love the way that one theologian puts it. He says this, the idea of salvation cannot be reduced to a personal relationship with Jesus. God's plan is much more encompassing. God intends for salvation to be a community-creating event. That's why out there in the lobby, you see one of those words, gospel community. Because we believe this, that though your salvation is personal, it's not private. So gone are the days of, well, pastor, I just have church at my house in the morning. I got my cup of coffee and my Bible, and I turn on Joel Osteen, and mm, 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 I just have church. I don't know why I always do a Southern woman. I have no idea, okay? Um, But the Bible actually has something to say about that, and it says that you can't live out the commands of God in isolation, but rather that God is creating a people 
So, so what's a tangible way? What's something that you can be focused on in order to view your church family as family? I think there's two things that's super simple that you can just put in your mind. You can ask people, hey, what's your name? It's, I mean, this is deep stuff this morning, guys. We're in the deep end of the pool of theology. Hey, what is your name and getting to know somebody? Names are so important because it's not just a face anymore, but it's a name who has a story. What's your name? And then the second thing is this. What is your needs? What are your needs? Listen, I want to challenge you on the first Sunday of 2022. If Westside is your home church, that every Sunday morning, that the only to-do list that you would have is when you enter into this room, these are the two questions that you have in your heart and in your mind when you're talking to somebody. And then please listen, don't miss this. I challenge you that if you do this for a month, I want you to come to me and tell me how much different your church experience has been. How everything has changed. Because when you start to know somebody and you know their needs and you meet somebody, hey, listen, rather than coming in here with this list saying, who's going to say this to me? Let's march toward maturity and now be the person that says this to somebody else. And when you get to know their name and you find out that it was a cancer diagnosis and they're undergoing chemo treatment and then during worship, you watch them raise their hands, listen to me, that will stoke your fire for Jesus because you go look at everything that they're going through. Look at all of that. And they have their hands raised. In 2022, we want to be family focused, but not just that. For the O, we want to be others focused as well. Not just on the inside, but also on the outside. Um, do you know something that, that I struggle with on Sundays or anytime we have meetings and there's a group of people? You got to know I'm, I'm like an evangelist at heart. I want new people. I want to see. I tend to focus on people who aren't in the room. Now, sometimes that has strengths, but a lot of times that has weaknesses because I miss the people that are in the room. But did you know that God has a heart for the people that are not in the family? Look at what it says there in Mark 16, Jesus' command. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. To the whole creation. Listen, did you know that what we have... The good news that we have literally is the cure for the greatest enemy in the world, which is death. What we have as Christians, when we stand at a graveside and that grave is open and that casket is there, as the Apostle Paul says, we weep, but not as those without hope. We have the hope of the world. And we want to share that with everybody. So it's not just about the people that are in our family. It's your neighbors, your family members, your coworkers. I love what one author said. The church is the church only when it exists for others. Not dominating, but helping and serving. It must tell men and women of every calling what it means to live for Christ. The church exists for others. Listen, I've been in the game a long time. I'm a, I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up in church. And do you know what splits churches? Oh, it ain't got nothing to do with like 
atheism or like, you know, on the news, you're like critical race theory. Ooh, like, oh, okay. That's not what splits churches. Churches split when they argue over carpet. And do you know why they argue over carpet? Because they've lost focus and they're self-centered. Please understand me. The color of the carpet goes out the window when you understand that everybody dies and spends eternity either with God or separated from God. At that point, that's the mission, that's the focus. So how can we be others-oriented? How can that practically happen for you? There's two very simple things. Investing in people and then inviting people. That's it. I mean, that's not rocket science. The investment is with your coworkers, loving them, caring for them, being there for them. Do you know how many stories I hear from somebody who has come to Westside on their very first Sunday? And I get to talk to them and I say, who are you here with? And they say, I'm here with my coworker. Man, he or she has been so great. One day at work, I was struggling and crying. And they said, what's going on? And they either prayed for me right there or they said that they would pray for me. And they followed up with me. And I told them, man, you know what? I'm going to go to church with you sometime. Guys, it's the investing in people. And then the second thing is the inviting. It is asking people to be a part of something. And when that happens, everything changes. A few months ago, um, I read an email of somebody who had an experience at Westside. Um, it was a difficult email because... It addressed some things that we failed at in that person's experience. They came on a Sunday, nobody spoke to them. It was tough. Now listen, I do not believe that that was the heart of our church, but I do believe that it was a part of our church. And so we addressed that and we said that, hey, listen, this isn't a problem, it's a possibility. God has given us this moment of grace in order to ramp this up and to make sure that everybody that enters in through those doors knows that they're loved and cared for. And I told you, man, that that email like kept me up. It was difficult. And then by God's grace, one morning, I check my email and I have this. It's all about Jesus. This church shows love and it lives love. From the first time that I met Pastor Jason at a city event, we talked and he made me feel special, gave me his information and invited me to church. After we watched online for a few times in order to decide whether to go in person, from the minute we walked in, we felt the love of God in the room. From the worship and throughout all the message, we really felt it. We really knew that it was all about Jesus and that he gave everything to us with grace. And without his grace, we are lost. We were so blessed to worship with you. We even had a family invite us out to lunch after church. We are realizing that there are angels among us right here in Popper Bluff. Westside, can we give yourself a hand for that, man? That's incredible, guys. Listen, there was a need and you met the need. God in his grace corrected us. We humbled ourselves and listen, we are continuing to march forward. We want to be family focused and others focused, but also this, we want to be commitment focused. And here's what I mean by this, particularly as to what Hebrews says. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, 
but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, really quickly, I need to say something. A lot of you maybe grew up in a fundamentalist background or really strict, and any time that you missed church or started backsliding like your grandma or grandpa sent you this in the King James Version, right? You know, well, you don't need to neglect. Now, I understand that they were coming from a place of love, but it produced guilt and shame. What, what this is talking about is the Hebrews were being persecuted. Like, they're, like they, if they gathered for church, some of them were going to die. And the writer of Hebrews says, hey, listen, stand, stand and do not neglect to meet because when we meet, we stir each other up and we experience the very presence of God. I think a better way to look at this verse is I was spending time, my family was spending time with a church family and and they had some farm and a cattle and they were riding the kids around and it was feeding time for the cattle. And so all of these cows start running up as we're feeding hay and doing all of that, and he's counting. I've learned this, that if you're a farmer, you live by two things, gates and numbers, okay? You just count all the time, and you're constantly going, is the gate closed? Did they close the gate, right? And he said, wait, I've got a problem. And he counted, and then he looked, and he said, look at that. And there was a mama cow in the back of the field with her baby calf. And I said, what's going on? And he said this. That tells me that there's a problem. I said, why? He said, because she's not with the other cattle. And any time a cow separates, it's either because they're giving birth or there's something bad happening. And when he said that, I thought, man, that's the heart of a pastor. That's a heart of somebody who loves their church family. That to be committed to gather to one another. And then when we know that people aren't gathering, it's not guilt and shame motivated. It's, hey, how are you? What's your name? What's your need? And what can I do for you? But there's two particular things. It's committed to gather, just as we said, because God's presence is here. The Bible says that when God, when the Lord's people on the Lord's day gather in the Lord's house and reads the Lord's word, God says that his presence is there. But we just don't commit to gather. We also commit to scatter as well. In Acts 2.42, it says that they attended the temple together and then day by day breaking bread in their homes. That's a huge value for us. That's why we do what we do. And again, I would just lay before you this idea of community groups. This is the primary way for you to live life with other believers. And not just that, but to walk with Jesus. There's no such thing as a lone ranger when it comes to Christianity. When you begin to share your burdens and to hear other burdens and to know that there are people there for you. So listen, we want everybody to sign up. This is the way that you can do it. Go to our website. There's a little tab up there at the top that says community groups. You click that tab. It takes you to this page. There's a little form on that page. It even says what night of the week works best for you. Then after you fill that form out, you'll be getting contacted by a community group leader. You'll end up at somebody's house, and then that's when they gather snakes. And then that's when you... I'm just kidding. Are you listening? I'm just making sure you're listening, Okay. And listen, here here very simply is what it is. You gather together, you eat some food, you read some scripture, and you pray together. And a lot of us have these expectations of like, you know, there's this new little catchphrase that's crept into church that my generation loves to use, doing life 
Man, I don't know, man. I just want to do life with people, man. You know, the real stuff. The real stuff is your kids sticking their finger in the outlet, and you're like, oh, my goodness. While this part, like, you're just gathering with people. You're living life together. And listen, in the ordinary obedience of reading Scripture and praying together and discussing the sermon and living life, please listen to me. Something beautiful happens. And you realize that your hearts are knit together. We're going to be family-focused, others-focused, committed, commitment-focused, and then this, unity-focused. Unity-focused. Look at what Jesus prays in John 17. Jesus asks the Father this, that I would be in them and you in me, that they, and we are all together. That's, I'll read that every time, right? That they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. The primary apologetic, and the word apologetic means a reason for why you're a Christian. Jesus said the number one way that non-believers will know that you are a Christian is by the Facebook arguments that you win and drop on people all the time. Right? That's it. You send them that link and you fire off and then you send them that, all that, right? No. Or how much Bible knowledge you know or how, whatever, fill in the blank. The primary way that the world knows that God's presence is among us is by the unity that we have. And can I say something here that'll probably get me in trouble? In 2020 and 2021, my heart broke as I saw fellow Christians fighting over vaccines and who was our president. Listen to me. The world is dark enough. We don't need Christians walking into the room and turning off the light switch. Our allegiance is not to a donkey or to an elephant. Our allegiance is to the Lamb of God. That is where our allegiance lies. So no more infighting because we are doing a great job of telling people to not join us as the church as a whole. But how do we stay unified? How does that happen? I think it's two primary things. When you understand that you are a missionary and a mediator, you see what unites people is a common mission. It's not just getting together and then doing nothing. It's understanding that we have a task to complete so that's why we had West Side men and West Side women, and now that we have community groups, and each of those community groups are going to have a local missions task, that your group needs to do something at a school, or do something at a local park, or do something here for the community, because as missionaries, that unites us together. But not just missionaries, but also as fellow mediators. Did you know that we learned this principle from the scriptures in the book of Philemon? That when there is one believer who has conflict with another believer, Paul says that if you are a Christian in right standing with that believer and that believer, that it is your responsibility to be a mediator and to bring those two people together. That that's how a church stays unified. And when that unity happens, it changes the world. And then the last thing is this is that we would be scripture-focused. That we would be family-focused, others-focused, commitment-focused, unity-focused, and then scripture-focused. Jesus said in Matthew 4, verse 4, 
that man should not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. My goal as your pastor that I've given my life to is this book. And my goal is this, is that you would view the world through the lens of the Bible. Because what the world does is the world views the Bible through its own lens. Listen to me. We are God's messengers, not his editors. And I can tell you can take this to the bank. If you give yourself to God's word, it will not return void. It will not return void. So how can you do that? I think there's two primary ways. Plan for it and pray through it. That's why we have Bible reading plans. Listen, nothing is going to happen in your Bible journey unless you have a plan for it, right? And so then when you get to the month of Leviticus, you're like, oh my goodness, right? And then you get to numbers and you got all the names, but you've got to have a plan for it. And then this, you pray through it. And listen, I'm not so much for you reading the Bible all this year and then checking that box and have no idea what you retained, Rather, I want us to be a people who meditate and marinate on the scriptures. I would rather you read a third of the Bible this year and give yourself to obeying it rather than reading the entire Bible and not obeying anything that you've read. May Westside be a people who are a people of the word of God. So now look at this. What would it look like if we gave ourselves to this? What would 2022 look like? Or how about this as we close? Not just this year, but decades. You say, Jason, what do you mean? Um, this is a picture of Art, Art Linkletter. Some of you guys remember Art from a TV show host back in the day. Art was at Walt Disney World the day that it opened. He was the newscaster guy who walked around with Walt Disney as everybody piled into this theme park that the world had never seen before. At Disney's 50th anniversary, they invited Art to come back and be the news guy who then toured everybody around the park. As one story is told, in between takes, one of the people from CBS News came up to Art and said, wow, look at this place. If only Walt Disney could see it now. And then Art said this, don't miss this. He leaned to the CBS guy and said, Walt Disney did see this. That's why we're here. What would it be in 10 years from now, 15 years from now, when those kids in Kidside graduate, we hand them a Bible and we send them off as missionaries into the world. And we say, if only they could see this. And the reality is we'll get to that moment if you see it now. Westside, I believe that we are laying a foundation that will definitely change Popper Bluff. I believe it in my bones. I believe it can change your family. I believe that the best is yet to come for us as a congregation. And there's one word that defines it. Focus. Committed followers have a clear focus. 
So out of these principles, out of these values, pick one, pick all of them. You've got that handout. We spent a little extra money for you to have something of quality for you to keep, hang it on a mirror, put it somewhere where the kids can see it, that this year, this is what we are striving towards. Distraction is dangerous, but our goal is Jesus. Heavenly Father, we come before you so thankful for the first Sunday of the year. God, I pray against the enemy, his workers and their effects, because if there is anything that the enemy wants to attack, it is a people that have committed themselves to a clear vision. God, I pray against the guilt and the shame of people who look back on regret in the last year. God, I pray that that is left behind. In just a moment, we're getting ready to take communion on the first Sunday of the year, God. And I pray as we hold the body of Jesus and Jesus' blood, that we would understand the newness that this represents. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We know that. But all are justified and made right by the free gift of grace. God, that when you look at us, you don't see our problems. All you see are the possibilities that you have for us. God, I pray for each and every family, each and every individual, that this day, January 2nd, 2022, would forever change the future of our church and would forever change the future of families. Because now we are committed and we are focused to be followers of you, Jesus. We pray this all in the holy and in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.